This is exactly right. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Mouthhorn. Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. Hello, my friend Karen. How have you been doing? Hello, my friend Chris. I've been doing good. Yeah. I've been doing, um, today has been a day of podcasting, no brag. So I have been sitting here in front of my Zoom for what feels like 11 hours. Well, I had a similar day. I skateboarded in the morning and then took a long nap. Almost exactly the same day. Yeah, yeah. Twinsies. So, you know, busy, busy, busy. Gotta stay busy. Come on, always stay busy. Our guest today, I don't want to say his name right now because this is not his introduction. Oh. You just, we, we're going to do pre-talking about him. But he, yes, I, he's got a name. I want to ask a linguist where his name ranks as far as beauty. A lot of you know, you always hear that elbow yep. is the most beautiful word. Have you heard that? Elbow? Cellar Which doors me, is the, uh, what do you call it, haunted rabbit movie. They say it. Yeah. Is it cellar door? Cellar door. That that one I get more. Elbow, it's like anyone can say elbow. It sounds like you're on Novocaine. You can like limp lip that one. Elbow might be the ugliest and most horrible word. I agree. Word. <laughs> I like strong consonants. I've always liked the word like corrugated is one Ooh, of my favorite words. That's great. It's a it's about that wavy piece of paper in in, in cardboard. Sure. There's also I like the word pithy. It does a bunch of pithy, stuff and it, yeah. it makes you sound smart, but it's short. Yeah, maybe a linguist isn't factoring in whether or not these words make you sound smart. Any dum dum can say elbow, but True. the our guest name today has, when we say it, do notice that it is a beautiful name. And I specifically like the way it comes off my tongue. I have not said the name. No, not yet. That's But when I do, take note. That, that was not a false intro, as they might believe. We are still right. doing something. I would like to say this. Along with that very melodic and beautiful name, I enjoy this person's comedy so much. And I've missed it. I over the quarantine and over the years because I haven't seen him since I believe like some Washington DC festival that now feels like it was in 2001, but I don't think it was that long ago. But he was truly one of my favorite people to end up at a show at and go, oh yay, he's here too, because then I'm going to see something I really like. Yes. Yes. That's why I haven't seen him since the uh, now closed satellite. Oh, R.I.P. 
Pour one out. In in peace, that building shall rest. Please, please don't <laughs> don't don't uh, wander the earth, satellite, as a ghost filled with sins because you don't deserve it. A lot of these businesses got shut down over quarantine and they're just wandering around in purgatory. Ghost businesses all over Silver Lake, ruining people's days. And the sad thing is they think they're still in business. They're just confused. They're like, can I see your ID? You're like, you're not a business anymore. I don't have to show you shit. <laughs> they're try they try to stamp your inner right wrist. No, get away, satellite. Where are all my employees? <laughs> oh, this is kind of sad to think about. Why do I get sad about inanimate objects having feelings? Because the satellite was a place where lots of great comedy happened, so I bet you you're housing a bunch of dead memories in that dead business. You want to know my favorite thing about the satellite, Karen, was in the back room there was a bar, and, and in that bar there was bartenders, and they were under, there. it was like a horseshoe-shaped bar. Above them were satellite dishes. Yeah. Which served as these odd, like acoustically, depending on where you would stand. Like my friend was like, do you want to see something cool? And they were at the other end of the bar standing under one of these satellite dishes and they whispered some things and I could totally hear it. Yes. So you'd never want to talk uh, poorly about any of those bartenders because it was going right to their ear holes. All the employees went down with that business. <laughs> We've got to introduce him now. It's taken of too long. Of course we do. But do notice how beautiful this name is when we say it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've seen him at clubs and colleges all over the country. <laughs> so many colleges. <laughs> Truly one of the most innovative, interesting, and hilarious comedians to date. Please welcome the legendary Ian Abramson. Woo! I am yes. released from my silent prison. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Thank you. What a what an amazing intro. That uh, I really appreciate it. Of so course, kind. it's true. So what what is this thing? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you like your name? Do you do you feel like you? It's a it's got it's a name riddled with soft consonants. Wow! It's got a nice rhythm, a nice cadence, a nice vernacular, a nice rhythm. It's got a jazz-like quality, your name. Mm. I have never been told that. <laughs> but if I'm being honest with you, from time to time, I have thought, I really like my name. Yep. It's a weird thing to say. Both of you, I'm sure, can relate. You both have wonderful names that are not, they're not like unheard of names. Karen, Chris, you know, Ian is not like a made-up name. But uh, it feels very us. Somehow. Yeah, I feel like my first name on its own, I, I need my last name, my surname to... Sure. Uh, yes. And you are the kind of person, Chris Fairbanks, where I always say your first and last name uh, together. Of course, Karen Kilgariff. Why, <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> I was always grateful. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I was always grateful for my name because of the double... First consonants, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of like as in grammar school is like weirdly a jackpot for, I don't know, re initials, reasons and stuff. And then also nothing, no, they couldn't rhyme my first name with anything mean. So I was oh, always kind yeah. of, I was just, no one could get me. Baron? Doesn't hurt. Wow. <laughs> hey, that's great. <laughs> especially on the, especially when you're in third grade, you know? Yes. Calling a third grader Baron is not only not understood, but it doesn't hurt. 
But you know, I could have hurt your feel. I would have called you flaring Karen, like you had some sort of a uh, inflammation, a disease, an infection. Oh, like children's gout. Yeah. Hey, Flaren, <laughs> children's Karen. Gout. Nice ankle, sugar foot. Children's gout. There's gout, <laughs> and then there's children's gout. There's children's yeah. gout, which is sadder. It's more condensed. Oh smaller. God. It's the, the feline aids of gout. I actually have adult onset children's gout. Oh. <laughs> Please get your raise your ankles up above your head, please. <laughs> I already I do every night. <laughs> I'm an adult child of an old person with gout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you how how were you made fun of as a kid, Chris Fairbanks? I think it was always Chris Piss, you know. <laughs> urine okay. piss was always mentioned. Yeah. But then it became hacky, luckily, because of uh, garbage pail kids, and no one could think of a second one. It was piss or nothing. Last name Fairbanks seems like it would get a lot. Uh, I don't take a stab at it. I don't recall any. <laughs> Fairbanks, not in America. How's that? Oh, right. You I know? still get yeah. those. Mm. What about, yes. Yeah, people, isn't that amazing that people will think, oh, I bet he's never heard this. Right. The two words in his last name yeah. being addressed. Hey, have you ever considered <laughs> your own into... name? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ian? Oh, I, I got a lot of Eon, Ian. Uh, some kids would call me N, just the letter N. There was a the kid at my uh, at Big Sky Bible Camp that uh, was acting real tough. He said he accepted the Lord into his heart in the back of a police car. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> How, old? But How his, old was he? Oh, we were all uh, 10, 11, 12. <laughs> he seemed like he was like 16, though. Okay. Sure. But but his name was Ian, and uh, I was just trying to make small talk. And I said, "Where are you from?" And he said, "North Dakota." And I said, "Are you a North Dakotian?" <laughs> Which I thought was a cute little joke. And he punched sure. me in the stomach. <laughs> I was relaxed too. That's how Houdini died. That is how Houdini died. Wow. Yeah. This kid punched me in the stomach. He was not a fan of that joke, and I did not make a friend. Wow. Now, was that going forward your story of when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? Because that would have been a great moment to do. I was paranoid about it because at that Bible camp, they said, if you've already done this and you do it again, if you if you ask the Lord into your heart again, which I still didn't understand physically what I was doing, yeah, uh, then it's a sin. So I was like, maybe I've already done it. Uh, maybe I should play it safe and not throw the log in the fire. So I didn't do it. I don't. I never. Whoa. What I do, I don't understand the logic of that. God's going to be upset. I am already in there. What do you mean you're inviting me in? Yeah, if the sin is if you didn't mean it the first time, well, you already have a one way ticket to Hades. Whoa. So these clearly are uh, counselors and leaders at a Bible camp who themselves are red flag human beings. <laughs> yes. Where they're like fuck fucking with children's minds about yes. quote unquote the Lord. Yes. It's it's it was a bad one. It was a bad one. Uh, it they, it was there was some strange adults there and uh, they made yeah. us think we were going to hell if we made any mistakes. There was a lot of talk about hell. Mm. Let more talk about hell than heaven. Ridic. Yeah. Kill us. There's probably more people in hell than heaven, though, to be fair. Right. True. First of all, all the people that jokingly say, oh, I'll end up in hell anyway. They're going. They're, then there's they're the there. people where it's a surprise. But in the same way, there are people that want to live in the city, like right. LA and New York, which is like <laughs> hell. 
And yes. then there's people who want to live in the middle of nowhere and have some more freedom, and that's heaven. Yeah, yeah. It's like a small town with a cornfield, except it's clouds. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would I rather be in the hell. City. There's more of a nightlife. Everybody interesting is in hell. Yes, yeah, exactly. the density, and there's all those dance clubs and stuff. There's a lot to do and see in hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in heaven, they're going to bed at 8 p.m. Right. Whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> It's probably comfortable, I will say that. It's corn. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it cloud? We don't know. You never know. Ian, what have you been doing lately? What about that for an interview question? Great. I love it. (laughs) Um, The summary of my quarantine is, because I assume that's kind of what you're really really getting at. What has the last year and a half been? Is yeah. on, uh, You can ask that to anybody, and there's not a boring question. In 10 years, we will all be tired of that question. But yeah, right. for now, nobody's made a sort of like nostalgic look back on quarantine. But once <laughs> once we start getting the Mad Men version of quarantine, we'll be like, <laughs> okay, I get it. Enough. Yeah. Right. But for now, I can tell you that I realized my brain was changing when I put on Silence of the Lambs at 1 a.m. As a comfort. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I was, I, but that, that's when I realized this is not normal. That's when I, I realized like, oh, something's, something shifted in my brain that I, yeah. I, I want to revisit the cinematic classic right now. Yeah. Um, Middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't matter. Time kind of was just, a, has become and still seems to be a malleable concept mm-hmm. that you can manipulate yourself uh, it's no longer a rigid rule system. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to watch a classic at 1 a.m. or 3 a.m., yes. uh, a movie you've seen a million times, just to watch it in a different light, Yep. you can do that. It was. It's kind of liberating. I have a new favorite movie of all time that I had seen a couple times before quarantine and now have probably watched over 100 times. That movie is Ocean's 12. not oceans 11 not 13 or 8 oceans 12 is my favorite movie of all time now can you name a specific plot point that made it made the difference for you oh i absolutely can (laughs) julia roberts plays tess george clooney's wife as well as julia roberts an incredible move there's a there's a scene in that when julia roberts is pretend or julia roberts is playing tess who is pretending to be Julia Roberts to sneak into a museum. Oh, my God. I rewatched uh, that. I wondered which one I watched uh, <laughs> recently. That was the one. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the identifier. There's an amazing yeah. scene where Bruce Willis happens to also be at this museum. And so yep, then yep. Julia Roberts is <laughs> pretending to be starstruck because she's meeting Bruce Willis, who's like, wait, is this Julia Roberts? <laughs> and like that, it's so fun. <laughs> And at that point, does no one know who anyone is? Like, at that point, <laughs> is the audience and the cast equally confused? The, I will say it is a convoluted movie. I will say okay. it is confusing. But I think a great sequel is, is like, a, a first movie needs to be really tight and perfect. And the second movie can be a little messier, but it just gives you more of what you want. Sure. And that's that's my theory on sequels and Ocean's 12 does it great. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> um, so I've been watching a lot of Ocean's 12. I got really into making I got <laughs> I got into making things out of cardboard. Um, yes. like 
miniature, mm-hmm. like that neighborhood yes. that is above on your my, head? Yes, in, in my office, which is a walk-in closet, I uh, which was another quarantine project. It was a storage closet. Then I was like, what if I made this an office? And <laughs> any of my friends, I've Zoomed with friends, and then when they've since come over and seen it, they've been like, this is much smaller than I realized. <laughs> and they're a little worried about me. <laughs> that you're hanging out in a tight. I'm not worried at all. I'm not worried. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. But you haven't. I made. I made Mount Rushmore puppets out of cardboard. <laughs> I, I. It's just been. A, it's just been a weird time. You know. Yes, it has. I got into miniatures too, Ian. You did. I, I bought these kits. Yeah, like tell me uh, everything. Uh, dollhouse kits. I love them, and I wonder if you love them, especially what you made. I always think of two things when I see these neighborhood uh, miniatures. I think of the beginning of the Mr. Rogers neighborhood like that. The little cars, the little it's the camera zooming down. But the opening, the long version of the HBO, I think where you in the end it flies up and a chrome HBO logo is is like the Lord looking over this town. I'm sorry I'm being so religious today, by the way. But those miniatures and the detail as it flies over, there isn't even enough time to see little cars with headlights and there's little houses and lights turning off. It, I have been obsessed with miniatures since I was a kid, but there's this negative stigma for boys to play with dollhouses. Not and anymore. I'm here to change that. Yes, it's changing. Love it. 2020, 2021 is the, this is the positive out of the negative, which is everybody gets to do what they want, and do yep. what it takes to comfort them. If that's Hannibal Lecter at 3 a.m., exactly. so be it. Exactly. Thank you. Discover yourself in Thank that you. way. Right? Yeah, a lot of these Lecter types wouldn't <laughs> act out with violence if they were just supported with their hobbies and crafts. And not judge mm-hmm. so much about their cannibalism. It's ridiculous. I was actually, I was doing a lot of waking up in the middle of the night. And at first I would feel worried or like, oh no, it's 3 a.m. and I'm awake. And then I'd be like, fine, I'll just go watch more TV. And I had this kind of like, home al- when you're home alone and you get to do whatever you want, but you're like 12, so you rarely all the rest of your life is so governed and you're so bo- constantly bossed, especially because I was the youngest. So I was like, if it wasn't my parents, it was my sister. And suddenly I had this like, I'm going to fucking eat M&Ms and watch TV at 3M. Like, it was just like anything I wanted, I got to do. And there was right. a true joy in that feeling of like, yeah, I'm, of course I'm scared. Everything bad is happening outside my door. But in here, it's fucking TV M&Ms time. Absolutely. I've never related to anything more. I haven't, (laughs) I I have tried to say that to others to explain my relationship with insomnia over the last year and a half. And I, you explained it so much better than I've been able to. It's like a birthday party that only you're invited to. (laughs) Right. right. Yeah. You can put on, you can put on whatever you want and it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Put on some football pants and cowboy boots and a Viking hat and dance and eat candy. There's no one around because you're alone. You're tragically alone Tragic. and having fun with it. <laughs> exactly. Now, what yeah. I want you to picture is I want you to, to picture being in that exact mode and you haven't been able to see any of your friends for a long time. And then suddenly you're in the room with 12 of them. Welcome to Ocean's 12. 
my best friends, <laughs> my, my, my best friends over and over again, <laughs> hanging out, <laughs> stealing art. Are you kidding me? Excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's enough to just play checkers with Brad Pitt. <laughs> but when you're high, high heisting yes. together. Yeah. It's a movie about a bunch of friends working together. Like it, it yeah. <laughs> that's all I was even hungry the for. enemies. Yes, it's hard to, it's hard. Even they're like, oh, I wonder when they're done rolling if Andy Garcia <laughs> and George Clooney ever share share stories about uh, making love to many many women or whatever. You know, something right. they have in common. I want to hear them talk about miniatures. You know, they must have opinions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. What have you yeah. discovered? We know, Andy Garcia, that you can fuck anyone you want. But what about arts and crafts? <laughs> Give us some glitter, you know. What do you do with glitter when you're by yourself at 3 a.m.? That's oh, what I want to know. Yeah. I usually put it on a woman's body. <laughs> he has a, yeah. No, he, he has, has an ac yeah, I, accent that I, I, yeah, it's it's subtle and uh, he's a beguiling man. I've been in the same room as him. What? And I'm not just talking about watching one of the Ocean's films. I cannot, I'm seething but, uh, with jealousy right now. Yeah, hold on. I've never heard an Andy Garcia story. I, I interviewed him for a press junket for a movie called Smoking Aces. Can you do me a favor and can you compare Smoking Aces to Ocean's 12 just so I kind of get... <laughs> Just what it's it like. is not as good. <laughs> it is a group uh, of, and you know, they probably had a fun time together when the cameras weren't rolling. But when the cameras started rolling, the magic stopped, in my opinion. This is not what I told Andy Garcia, good. but I did say my stepmom, who has since uh, divorced my dad uh, amicably, she was so in love with you, Mr. Garcia. You said like all we, of that to him? She would, he, she you would just said bring that the you divorce up. was amicable to Andy Garcia the one time <laughs> yes. you got to meet him? Yes, okay. it was a long setup, too. I spent like 10 minutes <laughs> right. describing the relationship. Uh -huh. And I'd say that she'd talk about you all the time. She'd bring, we wouldn't even be talking about movies. And then, and she just- You told Andy Garcia laughing. he was the reason that your dad got divorced. <laughs> He was laughing so hard just at the bizarreness of bringing that up. He was like so sweet. And he's like, oh, my God, I feel responsible. Could they get back together? Or He was so great. He played along with my weird idea. And it made That's me love amazing. him forever. And then you God. said at the very end of that interview, you said, do you see that? What just happened to you and I? That's the energy you should have brought to Smoking Aces. <laughs> See how it was natural oh, and it had a decent so plot. Rapport. I know that's not your fault. <laughs> there was a plot. There was a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> oh, man. So, Ian, you've recently been married and you won a contest. Will you explain? I have. Yes. Wow. Talk about it. I feel like I'm on Comics Unleashed right now. That was an incredible setup. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I hear you like fish tanks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Talk about an amazing setup. Oh, you know, I did get married. I did win a contest. You're still married now, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. Good. I got. Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like your dad. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> You hear that, Jim? <laughs> that was an amicable joke. Okay, so the I, I got engaged as quarantine seemed like it was starting to wrap up, which I guess was every single day of quarantine and still is. See, yes. it all it always seems like it's wrapping up. 
But it, it was the time when you could start kind of safely going out with a mask, you know, is kind of how it felt. And, and uh, my wife and I got engaged and a, a month or two went by and we were planning a wedding for March. And then we get a very odd DM on Instagram saying, hey, your friend entered you into a contest. Do you want a free wedding? Which I would think was spam. Yes. And we did. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, of course you assume that's spam. That sounds very spammy. Yeah. But also, you know what they say. In show business, you take the meeting. So, <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so my, my move was like, uh, can we talk on the phone about this? So that I at least could know if this was a real person. Uh, that was like the easiest way to cut through a lot of the, the BS to me. And we hopped on the phone and it seemed very real. The, the venue, Lodge Room, Highland Park venue, gorgeous, gorgeous venue, said they were kind of coming out of quarantine and they wanted to do like a big fun promotional event. And they often work with wedding ven vendors. So they will, they, they would basically just like, it would be a kind of a big commercial for all of the vendors, the band, the people that make the cake, everything. They would handle it all. And we, and anybody would be welcome. They sold tickets to our wedding. And <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yes, this is, yes, this is what happened. They, they sold tickets to our wedding. We had like an unlimited guest list. We could invite as many people as we could, but we had one week to do it. Oh shit. Yes. So suddenly it was like a scramble and I uh, wait, when were you, did you, had you already picked a real, a wedding day? Yeah. And we're still going to do it in March, March 5th. Oh, we're getting okay. married. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to have a second, we're going to have a second wedding, but we did get married at the lodge room over the summer. Where does your family basically generally hail from? And where does your now wife's family hail from? How hard was this? How Ocean's 12 was this to organize? Great. Great. <laughs> um, it was exactly Ocean's 12 and that it was a complete mess and the best thing that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> I grew up in the Inland Empire out by San Bernardino, Riverside area, if that means anything. Um, Moreno Valley. How do you know that? I, I've been here a while, since 2017. No, but did you know that I'm since, from Moreno I mean, Valley? For 17 years. <gasps> He's from Moreno Valley. That's where I really grew up. Nobody knows Moreno Valley. That's why I thought you said that just then. I thought you were like getting more specific. It's funny because uh, I know that it's because I went to skate parks when I first moved here yeah. and I would I would print out the map quest and a lot of the skate parks were all the way out there. So that's why I was in that area to go. Uh, now there's plenty in town, but yes, that is, I am not I am not gifted. I did not read Whoa. your mind. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of, uh, it's like a an odd, barren wasteland between San Diego and L.A., kind of. If you've ever driven from L.A. to Vegas, you've driven through the area called the Inland Empire, which right. uh, Marino Valley is a, is a smaller town in, and Riverside and San Bernardino are just like more, they're bigger and more well-known. Yeah, yeah, I've spent I've spent time in all those places, and I know there are distinct differences. There's real, real good, real good meth in Riverside. Yes, um, I had a crush on a drummer that was from Riverside. Was his name Travis Barker? <laughs> is he the drummer? <laughs> he's I, he's he's a drummer. Isn't that the Blink One Eighty Two drummer? Is he he's the drummer? My, yes, I don't know. He's my favorite drummer with a checkered flag on his neck. <laughs> He's number Sorry, three Tommy for me, Lee. but I'll Go respect him. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lee, suck it, buddy. Suck it, buddy. Um, yeah, go on a boat and be naked. 
so um my but my mom now lives in rural Washington. So like right south of Canada, like an hour away from from Canada. Um and it can was I just guess? can you get dude, if you can guess I will <laughs> oh, be do amazed. It. Is it not Vancouver, Canada, but Vancouver, Washington? Ooh, no, but that no, is No, Vancouver, Washington's guess. down by the Oregon border. Sorry. Damn it. But a, but a good a good guess in the same state certainly. Sure. Definitely. Sure. For sure. <laughs> um so it was too short notice. And this is again yeah. the the world is opening up again. Uh flight prices were like insane suddenly. They went yeah. from dirt cheap to insane and to try to get that in a week just was not feasible. Uh Right. My wife's That's the main reason you have to do another wedding, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because we yeah, we we want to celebrate with our our families and and all that and <laughs> people you know. Right. Yeah. If, if a wedding is supposed to be one of the best days of your life, why limit yourself to one? Your dad knows what I'm talking yeah. about, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, I I did Halloween 3 nights in a row. I think that's a perfect comparison. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Dead on. Dead on. <laughs> So my my wife's family uh, mostly live in Buffalo, in Buffalo, New York, and her mom was able to come, and her siblings mostly were LA based, so they were able to come. But I mean, uh, most <laughs> most of the wedding party wasn't able to be there. You know, like they'll <laughs> they'll be there in March, but it, a week's notice is insane. It's crazy. And so, <clears throat> yeah, were a lot of the people there they otherwise would have been at a dance club. It was like a night out, or were they kind of in on the joke? Like they're like, we're going to a stranger's both. wedding. It was it was absolutely both. It was. See, that sounds like fun. It was. It, there were hundreds of people having their first major <laughs> party out of quarantine, and Ooh. we got married on stage. <sighs> there was a 10-piece band that we never would have been able to afford. The The cake was uh, like a portrait, a cartoon portrait of us. They took this... this <laughs> what? Yeah, and it was all like... It was vegan, raw cake that was one of the best things I've ever tasted, no lie. It was wow. like... Wow. It was unreal, and we were just like our faces were these cartoon versions of us on the cake. And we showed up and it was just there. When you have a week, you don't have time to like nitpick. Oh, I want the cake like this. I want the decorations no. like that. Did you have any input? I I mean, they they were so communicative. But with, yeah, with yeah. a week, you have to just kind of like prioritize as a groom, it's much easier too. You know, my wife was like, what do I, what do I do for a wedding dress? I thought I had months. And <laughs> right. <laughs> so she decided to lean into it and she made her own wedding dress. First article yes. of clothing she's ever made. And she, <laughs> she sewed it completely. And I felt like I was in the hit movie Ocean's 12 when I came in and she, <laughs> I, I, I came in and, and like, it, it was, it was like a, a biopic moment or something where she was just like, wait, I got it. I can turn the bra into shoulder pads. And I was <laughs> oh, like, that's a good idea. It was amazing. It looked yes. incredible. That's, I, I love so this. Yeah. I love this. This is almost like it's the perfect thing to go along with the craziness that we all felt in quarantine in, you know, January 6th, all the realities that were like kind of denting all of our previous like this is the way things are supposed to be, which got that all got kind of swept away and in quarantine and in the pandemic. And then basically you guys came out on a wave of like, yeah, nothing's real. 
like a completely yeah. raw wedding cake. And totally. we love it. It's so good. Other than the band, like, what was the best part? The officiant was incredible. We had not, we, I met the officiant that day. Shout out to Jason. He killed it. Wow. He had asked wow. us for some personal stories that he, uh, you know, I, I do comedy. I, I, I know what good public speaking looks like. He was 10 out of 10. Excellent. Wow. Funny, heartfelt. It was, it was, you, you lower your expectations a bit when you're having a wedding in the week and he exceeded yeah. in them by so far. It was amazing. <laughs> do you think people there that didn't know him, didn't know you guys, mm -hmm. did, do you think they cried? Uh, yeah, they did. Yes. I, yeah, there people were coming up to crying? us. Absolutely. I love it. It felt like a like a like a rock concert. There was literally a <laughs> band. There were fog machines and lights. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing music venue that was fully orchestrated for us. They made they named drinks after us. My wife plays the harp, and so she had like the punk harpist or something like that. I had the studs turkle. <laughs> And uh, it was just like, <laughs> this is amazing. I it, it feels like a dream even saying this out loud to you, honestly. That's it's so, so good. cool. And when do you have your boring wedding? <laughs> <laughs> that's that it, that's so funny you say that. Uh, because the, the people that say yes, we were not the first people that they asked, by the way. Part of the reason that we had a week is because so many other people were like, a wedding special. We don't want to be oh, rushed right. into it like just because it's free and we were like hell yeah i'll <laughs> yeah. take it all this is amazing <laughs> yes and so we you know we, we're we're planning uh march march 5th wedding um it's gonna be big and weird in death valley and we're excited about it nice oh that's cool so you're doing it out in the desert mm -hmm. that's still cool yes but it's the opposite of what you just did Do you think yeah. you could loop could you loop jason back in at least to Absolutely. officiate yeah. Okay, oh, I, uh, Chris Gethard is going to be officiating our wedding. Oh, uh, yeah. wow. Wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, great comedian. And just that perfect, <laughs> he's that perfect mix of absurdity and sweet that we, we want for something like that. Yeah. And he's someone terrific. you actually know. Yes. Exactly. So, yeah. Yes. Right, right. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, as opposed to Jason, who happened to knock it out of the park, but could have totally beefed it. Yes. And did, did you know when they said you won a contest, did they tell you who submitted you or signed you up for it and you knew who that was? And Because that would bring me some comfort. Like, yeah. So our friend Suzanne, a month or two before that, had a Lodgeroom just posted like, hey, we want to we want to give away a wedding. Do you guys know anybody that's engaged? And all Suzanne wrote was something like uh, she, she tagged Risa, my, my wife, and was like, Hey, this sounds interesting, don't you think? And that was it. Uh, yeah. Suzanne oh, wow. didn't think about it again. Risa didn't think about it again. <laughs> the next time it was thought about was when we were on the phone with the lodge room. I think there's really something to be said, though, as a person who has gone through a wedding mm -hmm. and the planning of it and the stress of it and all the things that get built up around it. I can tell, and you'll have this experience, so you'll be able to compare yourself. But to me, this almost like hands off the wheel, like, well, there's nothing we can do is actually the solution to so much bullshit. <laughs> like the reason yeah. there are like full on bridezilla TV shows is that when that series started, I was like, 
this is unfair because it is not <laughs> yeah. showing the background of why this woman has right. gone insane. Her, I bet you her fiance is not fucking helping and right. doesn't right. actually give a yep. shit. And she, all her friends from high school, like this is a get back and this is a, I'm, you know, it's finally my day, whatever. There's a lot yeah. of like societal pressure. There's all kinds of ways this can go wrong. Hundreds right. of ways. And you totally. guys just basically, you blocked it out. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't. You weren't screaming at each other about <laughs> napkins. Yeah, you're. No, just, it was. Yeah, totally. Just laughing that's your asses so off and like, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, that's. I want to be. I want to have a con. Oh, that's so great. I love it. Who was the person from Instagram or or the lodge room or whoever that planned this? Like, do you know whose idea it was ultimately? The owner. Yeah, uh, this this guy Dalton um, is like the kind of. Booker owner, I think he and his family run the venue. And uh, after, I mean, the way the process went, because even on a phone call, this feels so crazy that you still have to, like, is this real? So yeah. the next day we go to the venue and meet him face to face. And he's like, no, really, we're, we're going to do this. We'll take care of it all. And we're like, all right. <laughs> and at, at that point, there's not enough time to question it. You just had like at that point, you're just going along with it. Yeah. Well, oh, that's everybody so go to the awesome. lodge room if you're in LA or around it. Support people with good ideas that bring people together in fun. Because I, if I had just been going to a bar with my friends that night and we happened into a basically an impromptu wedding, <laughs> I think I would have been crying the whole time, especially if it was right after quarantine ended. Yeah, totally. That. Yeah, everyone loves a wedding that isn't there. Yes. And so all those people were so excited. And then you kind of had the element of being at a wedding that isn't yours, except <laughs> totally. you're on the cake. <laughs> totally. And oh, I forgot this is my wedding. He just <laughs> mentioned me. Yes. This is such a good show. This is this is better dinner theater than David and Lisa. <laughs> Wait, so you must have danced. Like that band mm -hmm. played and everyone danced? I So I... <laughs> I, I have these friends, uh, Yoshi and Jesus, who came, and they they're 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 very into music, and they were they've never been a fan of the Killers, and the way they described the wedding was like all of a sudden I was singing along to Mr. Brightside with everybody else, and <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. losing my mind. It uh, was it was unreal. It was because also these are like the best wedding band in L.A. and people. It, it, entertainment people rush to LA. So it's like, these are incredible musicians yes. on every yeah. level. Yeah. And again, we, it would have been so far out of our price range to get a fraction of that. They were just playing all the hits. I walked in on the rehearsal and they were like, okay, now let's do the nineties pop medley. And I was like, okay, this is what the night's going to be. This is like, they, they can go decade by decade and just play the hits. They know it all. Ugh. Wow. I love it. That yeah. sounds so fun. Like, oh, man. my heart is racing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to. Do you could just describe a party to me now and I get all <laughs> nostalgic and excited. Just imagining it. One of the hardest parts about a wedding is the guest list, too, because you you want as many people to come, but you are you have to pay for every single person. And so there comes a point where you're like, oh, man, I don't know how to... I, it gets hard to to figure out who to invite. And yeah. this was a free-for-all. Everybody come out. I, I could literally post on Twitter, if you want to come to my wedding, use this code. You know, <laughs> like, that, that, that was all they had to do. So what that meant was 
people from all corners of my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like from from pe- people that I knew as a toddler in high school, in college. I worked in summer camps. I <laughs> I went to Chicago to start being a comedian. Like truly every walk of life. I, I it, it that must be what it's like to die. You look out and you're just, you're just, you're just like there's fog machines, there's lights, and you're seeing a little bit of everybody. And it's like, well, have fun. Goodbye. You mean hell, not heaven, right? I don't know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> this is non secular or secular. Is it secular or non secular? I don't know the it's difference. It's non denominational. It's <laughs> different. Oh. This is a, I love this story. It's so good. Who was the weirdest person that showed up that like, you got a couple of those? It's a, Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to, uh, I, my, my wonderful ex-girlfriend from, from college showed up and it was like, <laughs> and she had messaged beforehand very sweetly and was like, uh, Hey, is this cool? And I was like, absolutely. This is, it yes. was wonderful. And I mean, that, that felt amazing. You know, my yes. my freshman year roommate was there. <laughs> like it was, it was just wild. And because oh, you know, can I just say yeah, at please, my sorry. wedding, I, I want there to be an ex girlfriend section. <laughs> I think that that sounds crying and wearing terrific. all black and veils. Yeah, but uh, and yeah, yeah, just kind of jealously mourning. <laughs> uh, or let's be honest, most of them would just be yay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's so great. I love that she went because oh, I, you know my my wife is a weirdo harpist. I'm a weirdo comedian. People showed up dressed like there there was some woman painted completely blue. I do not know who that person is. <laughs> so, it was Rebecca Romaine. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I might know who they are, but they were painted blue, so I do not know who they were. That's what they were doing all quarantine long, where they're like, you know what? I don't have insomnia. What I like to do is body paint. <laughs> exactly. Was there like security and bouncers there in case things totally went backfired? And, yeah. And there was like... That's yeah, a well-oiled yeah. machine, you know? They're they're used to full-on I concerts. want to win a wedding. <laughs> I don't even need to be getting married. <laughs> I want to win this contest. Lie and just show up stag. <laughs> Well, guys, I got stood up. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let's We're dance. still doing the thing, Let's right? Dance. <laughs> Let's dance and Let's eat raw dance. cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the immortal words of Kevin Bacon. Let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so So great. exciting. Did, oh, did uh, Gary Busey go? Are oh, you friends with him? I got to meet him very briefly. I've met him. Oh, this, really? is, this is my Andy Garcia story. I told him about your dad's divorce. I, I, <laughs> I, I got, I got to do, he, he did like a kind of fake court show and I got to be the post interview person, um, on the court Isn't show. Isn't it called Gary Busey colon pet court? Yes. Judge? Yeah. This pet is, judge. This, this one you did know beforehand. This is not like Marino yes, Valley, yes. right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. This, yes. This would be a little too weird. But it's so on specific. Amazon. I, yeah, it's, for it's, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's great. I, it, You're like the Doug Llewellyn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. That's the name. Had, of had a great time. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he was incredibly nice. But also, those were very long days for him. So he understandably kind of was like, hello, great to meet everybody. If I don't yeah. case myself, he's, he's an older gentleman, you know? He, yeah, He had for to sure. yeah, yeah. take his own space and stuff. But he yeah. was he was very nice. 
That's so cool. Well, and also as a, he's like an icon. So I think those people, other people don't understand how much they have to deal with as a person where it's like, no one's going to let Gary Busey pass them by without going, no way, and doing a thing. And after 10 of those, your Gary Buseys don't want to do it anymore. Very, um, very understandably. And they have to. So, yeah. Didn't he win an Oscar for the Buddy Holly movie he did? Or he was nominated. I know that. Should I check? Yeah, check, please. I I think that that's because we all know him now as being like this kind of crazy character, but he was a nominated, did not win. But he did Uh, win the New Generation Award from the Los Angeles Film Critics Association for the Buddy Holly story. Yes, and the MTV Music Awards Best Kiss. Best Kiss. I don't know. Of I don't. <laughs> Buddy Holly in his glasses. Best Kiss. <laughs> there is that weird scene in that movie where he makes out with his glasses. <laughs> it was. I'm just cleaning the lens. It was innovative. In. Innovative at the time. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, actually, you know what, Ian? I wanted to tell you is, it the the first time? And Chris, I think you and I did this show together. But the first time I did a Zoom comedy show. I could not stop thinking about your old show. Mm. Now, I can't remember what the name of it was. Seven Minutes in Purgatory. Seven Minutes in Purgatory. So Ian used to have this show where it was a comedy show. Like the time I did it, it was at the DC Improv. Mm-hmm. And so there's a full, like a sold out room of of comedy audience that are there. You're in a side room. You cannot hear the audience and you don't know what they're doing. And you have to right. do your set to a camera. And That's every Zoom show, yeah. It's literally, <laughs> you are a visionary and you thought of the wow. thing seven years before. It, I invented Corona. You, <laughs> why yeah. did you do this to us? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, didn't you think of that, Chris, where it's like, you're just sitting there trying to make these jokes. There is no... I, eventually, they got it so that you could hear laughter or people were trying yeah. to refine it. But in those early days, I was like, this is even Ian Abramson's bit. It's not fair that everyone else is stealing it from him. And yeah, there's no payoff later where you get to see that audience edited with you in a closet. Yes. Like, you just never know if you ate it or not. No. And you think about it for three days it's the- in the same room with a bed that you just performed yes. in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's on Comedy Central, right? Like someone could go to ComedyCentral.com. It was a digital series. Yeah, yeah. All all the episodes are on YouTube. And uh, yeah, for sure. Seven Minutes in Purgatory. Everyone will appreciate it more. It was very much ahead of its time. (laughs) Yes, it was. Literally. By total accident. I didn't realize how, because when when we went to do it, I mean, first of all, it was when I was doing a music act. So I was so grateful because I'm like, oh, great. I don't have to just stand in there by myself. (laughs) Even doing it with another person and just like we're just singing songs, it was like the shame and self-loathing. I felt literally seven seconds in. I was just like, I can't. This is horrible. (laughs) Horrible. And you know what you're getting into. It wasn't like a, it wasn't snuck up on you. It wasn't a surprise wedding right. at all. <laughs> exactly. At all. I Yes. I mean, it never got normal for me and I did it every <laughs> single time. You know? You know what have made it even worse for you if you did your uh, dog shock collar bit? <laughs> Ian has this bit where he puts on, and I've put on one of those, it was from the 80s, but there was two electrodes on it and you put it on your neck and me and my friends just took turns barking and it hurt so bad that my friend never let his parents use it on his dogs again. It, it was like, oh, no. 
inhumanely painful. But Ian puts one on and and gives someone in the audience a remote, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then just does a bunch of one-liners, and it's like, if you don't like one of the jokes, give me a shot. <laughs> and the time uh, we did it at the satellite, uh, that person was a little trigger-happy, and I remember <laughs> there's no way, either he's the most amazing actor ever, or it's on a low setting, or he's getting shocked and not... I just imagine being in that seven minutes in purgatory in the, on that show and also getting shocked, and you don't even know. <laughs> you can't even see the audience. You don't even get the payoff. That would have made it even worse. (laughs) Yeah, it it turns out handing the remote to a drunk audience member uh, often wouldn't go great. But that was part of the fun, right? (laughs) If you're being like, hey, electrocute me. You were getting shocked and it did hurt, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the pain would last for a second. And like, like, think think of like getting shocked a little bit where it's just like one brief moment of like, oh, my God. And then it fades pretty quick. <laughs> but I, I, for like, anytime I would do it for like the next two hours, I was so on edge. My body was <laughs> acting like I'd been electrified because I had been. <laughs> well, I know with a lot of people, it's like a therapy. Even to this day, I have friends that have taken shock therapy. They still do it. Really? Like they're just better at it now, maybe. Yeah. But uh, it. I, I wonder if it, you had long... I wonder if you're a better person for it, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Well, you definitely, I think, taught some people. It's like, imagine if you were on a date and your date was handed that remote and then you just watched oh. as they shocked the fuck out of someone where you're just like, anyway, it was great to meet you. Think that was such a good show. Yeah, let's talk to you later. And then just fucking book it to your car. <laughs> Truly run away. Oh, man. That's wild. <laughs> did you, wait, did you, you do the joke and then they shock you or would they sometimes do it while you were speaking? <laughs> I, I didn't ever saw it. It was bit. totally, yeah. So the idea I would say is like, uh, you know, I'm trying to train myself to be a better comedian. I thought, how did I train my dog? <laughs> so I'm going to wear his shock collar and I'll give you the remote. If you don't like a joke, shock me so that I learn not to do that joke. <laughs> and I, they, I, without fail, they would do, they, it would, it would almost always go like this. I would tell one joke and they wouldn't shock me. And the second joke would almost always get a shock because by that point they had to know if they could really shock me. Yeah. And then during the setup of the third joke, they had to tell if I was faking it. And so they, so they would like, like be like, wait, does this really work? And then at that point, it became, are they a good person or a bad person? Yes. And it would go one right. of two ways. <laughs> Fuck. And did you ever do that bit where someone just non... You couldn't even get through a joke because they were just shocking oh, yeah. you the whole time? Yeah. And I would, oh, literally, I would be like, Shane, like, you realize I'm literally being electrocuted, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, it, was, it wasn't on a... It wasn't on, like, the highest setting and it's designed for dogs, but it did legitimately hurt. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's the best. So and so then while you're being hurt and trying to reason with this person, people are laughing harder and harder at the entire situation. It's such a good it's bit. So it's a stunt. It's it's like a yeah, <laughs> physical stunt. <laughs> I love your comedy anyway. Uh, oh, very yes, good. Yes, me too. Yeah, but bits like that where it's this it's there's an intensity because you know something's going to happen and you set it up ahead of time and then on top of that you're just doing stand up and it's a great <laughs> time to do all your throwaway one liner right. bits that you like that maybe usually get like a 
Exactly. I have so many like exactly. puns and everything <laughs> that I've always loved and they get a groan. It I and I remember watching you do that and I'm like, wow, what a perfect <laughs> place to showcase all of your you know, your word children. Word children. It reminds me of like a, in coming up in San Francisco mostly there in and it was the early 90s. Everyone was really trying to be quote unquote edgy. You know what I mean? So I, it, and right. most of the time that meant like, hey man, fucking John Wayne Gacy or you whatever. <laughs> like you you tried to show us, but I did it all the time where it's like you, yeah, I can you won't believe I said that. But <clears throat> you're really putting your money where your mouth is <laughs> in that way. Where it's yeah. just like, I'm gonna be so edgy. Uh, there could have I could have a cardiac incident here. Let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah, Start did you timer. ever worry about that? That it would all of a sudden affect your heart rate or something? Like, have a heart attack? Because, oh, the setting! Stop doing it! And then you just go into cardiac And then the around. laughter just builds and builds. Yeah, they're just laughing at your limp body. <laughs> I, I mean, it would affect me. Like, it really would affect me. I would feel a little more aggressive after... For, like, two hours. I would have to be like, I need to chill out right now. <laughs> Because it's like your body, your body is like it, it was reacting like I was being attacked because it kind of was. You were, <laughs> you were. <laughs> oh God, I love it. I love That's it. Such a great bit. I forgot about that. Very kind. so great. And what do you miss about the old comedy days? The old doing sets around town. That's a very specific. Yeah, have you and been getting question. back at it at all? Yeah, definitely starting to. I've been. The, the 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 last quarantine obsession I'll talk about. This is how I've kind of filtered my um, creative energy. I got really obsessed with ex-president Theodore Roosevelt. And uh, <laughs> I wrote 90 minutes of Theodore Roosevelt material. <laughs> and uh, now I'm getting to test that out around town. <laughs> the one person on everybody's mind. <laughs> the second most famous Roosevelt. <laughs> Why, why did you write an hour and a half of Teddy Roosevelt material? <laughs> the same reason Ocean 12 is my favorite movie and I watch Silence of the Lambs at 2 a.m. There's there's just not answers, even though it kind of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he larger than life figure. He's he's literally on the Mount Rushmore of presidents, um, which is why I made the cardboard Mount Rushmore puppets. That's like that. that's part of it. Um, that the, comes the, into it. Ties in. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, in minute I, I, seventy is when those puppets come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely paring it down. It, it's not, it, you know, I the first version of it was basically a ninety minute TED talk about a president <laughs> that only I cared about. But then, you know, trying to turn it into bits and everything. That's the fun of going back out is trying to turn something from a TED talk into comedy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I miss. That I miss just getting to like throw things against the wall and trying to be like, oh yeah, this is working and not working, and how can I get the thing that's not working to work? And um, yeah, I'll always love that. And it was really hard to not have that during quarantine. What about you guys? I mean, I enjoyed that. It we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. That's like we we both pause, <laughs> but I I enjoyed the no pressure the the i didn't realize how it was always looming over me like how am i doing in comedy am i doing everything i should or could be doing how's everyone else doing no matter how hard you try you are kind of obsessed with where you stand among your peers 
And it is kind of a contest a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And for that all to be lifted, I mean, my gray hair went away. It's coming back. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed the time off and I'm having trouble fully diving back in. Like I've, I've been doing shows, but uh, I enjoyed not doing it. It was great. <laughs> I felt like a 17 year old. I just wasn't worried about things. Totally. I basically stopped doing sets and then tried to start doing them again after way too long, you know, like I would say three years or something of not really doing it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and this has happened to me before in the past, of when I stop entirely, I truly just do not believe I can do it anymore. <laughs> like the way, the the thing I do in my own brain is unbelievable, where it's like, this is something I've been doing since I was 20 years old. It's crazy. And it's like, you didn't forget how, but, but what it is, is the time I wasn't putting in the time and I wasn't focusing on other people. I think that competition element, although it can be bad, also it can be amazing because I go to shows and I think Chris and I have talked about this before, but one of my favorite things to do is go watch a bunch of other people do sets because my brain is, I have such defiance disorder that while I watch people that I love and I'm laughing at, my brain starts writing material that is totally unrelated. And it's so, it's like my brain's going, you've got to fight for your place and here's an idea. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh shit. So there's a kind of cultural immersion that I think I have to have you know what I mean? But as like a now middle-aged woman, I just don't want to have to do that. Like, I want to see my friends and see the people I really love. But ultimately, it's a young man and woman and person's game. So like, it's like, don't go... I, I just started getting that thing of like, you kind of have to... I felt... I, it's like, let it go. You can always like do a set if you want to. But like, but ultimately the part that I really love about comedy is that beginning, how do you take a TED Talk and turn it into an actual bit? How do you actually make people laugh? Because for a while, I was just reading old tweets and then just kind of standing there going, ooh, this is a (laughs) Pyrrhic victory if there ever was one. This feels bad. This is not well-written material. So, you know, it's it's kind of that where I think it gave me, in quarantine, just truly... I told myself the my job was to not go insane. So I didn't have to worry about that or <laughs> you know any it was just like just you know get your work done and stay happy and other than that don't put yourself through it because that whole push pull of comedy although it is my true and first love it's like yeah but also you can't you can't be doing you know showcase nights for the rest of your life like you have to take your pension after a while. <laughs> If you're not like a, you know, if you're not like a headlining comic or whatever. So yeah, it was, it was a relief in that way where it's like, I can still be a fan. I can still know all the people that I know. I can be proud of the people that I watch go and do things and be innovative. And truly that's why, like when I watch you do comedy, it's like, this is, it reminds me of my early days when people were like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to (laughs) fucking try this bit. And it was all very punk rock. And it's, you know, I just really love it and support it. That is so kind. If it's not clear, I will just say here and now that I am huge fans of you both, deeply admire you. You've you've been inspirations from day one. So thank you, you both. You've said such kind things about me. And I felt bashful about saying that about you, but now <laughs> I'm going to. You have to. You have That's right. to. Yeah. yeah. I what is a podcast a except a chance to do that? Right. 
I circle jerks get a bad rap. <laughs> But that just felt great. Right? <laughs> it's what people need these days. Mm-hmm. Also, it's like that weird thing where like Chris and I, I see Chris consistently because we have this podcast, luckily, and thank God, because, you know, other comedians are some of my favorite human beings because of their brains and the way their brains work. And you don't meet those kinds of people every day. And I think that's another another thing is like really appreciating. It's like, Ian Abramson, when that name came through, I was like, oh my God, yeah. Like, I would, how else would I see you? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right, like, right. Wow, that's so great. kind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, there, there really is kind of a special community. And I feel like quarantine was freeing for so many people rather than making us all cynical. Things got so bad for everybody, yeah. for literally <laughs> every single person uh, that it was kind of like, well, If that's the baseline, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to carry that over and remember it. I I found myself like this past weekend, I did uh, shows in Irvine and I was like, don't go back to being upset if the audience doesn't remember what it was like to not have this. Yeah. Enjoy it. And I have been enjoying it, but... I got to remember not to lose that. I've got to remember to stay appreciative. Are you saying, Chris? Because I th- promised myself. And the that the audience like doesn't remember how to be an audience, kind of? Is that what you mean? Oh, I just, I sometimes, if an audience isn't acting the way I want to, I was getting impatient with crowds. Yeah. And I promised myself I wouldn't do that when I didn't have access to that. I'm like, okay, I miss it. I'm going to even appreciate the most drunk and heckly <laughs> crowd that uh, is anti-vaxxer or whatever. I don't care where I'm at. I gotta, I've got to appreciate this. And it's, so far, I have felt like I'm appreciating it more than before this thing happened. But I got to hold on to that. because. Do you think the sets are going better because you have that energy? Oh, certainly not, because <laughs> I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I'm uh, just still rusty. I'm, I'm you know... Because I, that thing that you mentioned, like you feel like you forgot how to do it. I'll do that during a weekend of shows. Like I did shows last night. It went fine. Why would tonight not go well? And I don't feel good until I get that first laugh. And then I'm like, okay, I guess this won't be terrible. Yeah. I, I always, it's a clean slate of like, this might be go, this might be terrible yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm always able to put myself there and I shouldn't, but I do. I did, I did a show last week. And the first half was the first half of my set was like tried and true material that I was just like, let me just take out some of the old hits, you know? And yeah, uh, of course, that felt so much weirder than the second half of my set, which was brand new Theodore Roosevelt stuff, because (laughs) it, 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 it was it was like it felt like driving a tractor. Where I was like, wait, I've driven a car and I kind of know what this is like, but there's some weird stuff here that I don't understand what's happening anymore. And then the second half, I was like, okay, now I'm just walking around. I get this. <laughs> what, what's your favorite uh, fact about Theodore Roosevelt that you... <laughs> I'll tell that you. you've spun into comedy yeah. gold. I will tell yeah. you. Theodore, one of Theodore Roosevelt's... Uh, if you were look at a top 10 list, there will be something about how much he loved animals and hunting. He founded the national parks. He was he, he, But the way that this love started... He was a little boy, and he went to the store and got obsessed with a dead seal. (laughs) They were selling a dead seal, and he went back for days to be like, hey, could I get the dead seal? For days. And eventually they gave him 
just the head. No. And he took, yes, this is, go to Wikipedia, control F the word seal, and it will be confirmed. The craziest, the, the, the reason I've had so much fun with this is like that particular fact is not on top 10 lists. How is that not the thing we're all talking about? <laughs> this is one of the greatest presidents ever. And he carried a seal head home. Oh, and and did it talk about his relationship or what he did with this disembodied seal head <laughs> or what what was what, what what was his goal yeah. uh, to get into taxidermy? What? Well, what first of all, with, I, yeah, you you honestly just nailed it because he did get really into taxidermy and he, like he became <laughs> obsessed with taxidermy, but also. The reason that he, the way he would use his taxidermy is he tried to open up a little museum with his cousins. And the seal head was like the big display. Yeah, that's behind a velvet robe. Right, yes. yeah. He would like capture bugs and it'd be like, oh, I'm sure showing his parents like, oh, very cute, Teddy. You 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 got some bugs. And is that a monster head? What is, this is not a creature we see every day. We don't have the internet to know what a seal even really is. But here is the rotting head of an animal. Okay. I am seeing in an Adult Swim animated series, when you yes. get all these things together, <laughs> that's just like, almost like a true crime documentary, but about <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt and all the things about him that are disturbing, to say the least. Totally. Not another fun wasn't fact. He shot, it, wasn't he shot during a speech, too, and, and finished the speech or did some push-ups at believe, the end? I cannot I, believe you just said this. Again, I feel like I'm on Comics Unleashed right now. <laughs> <laughs> because I was about to say, let me give you one more fun fact, and yes. it tied into that. My favorite part of this has been taking these big things. You know that Teddy Roosevelt, right as he was about to give a speech, was shot in the stomach. And he gave the speech... And the speech was like an hour and a half. <laughs> he spoke for an hour and a half as he was bleeding. And the crowd knew that he was bleeding. But his whole thing was like, I'm a manly badass. So that <laughs> added to it. <laughs> but what nobody asks about is the man that shot him. So I did a bunch of original research. I went through like university archives. And I ended up finding handwritten letters that have never been transcribed. That the guy that shot Teddy Roosevelt wrote after being put in an asylum. <laughs> To what? the doctor being like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yes, I saw a ghost that told me to kill Teddy Roosevelt, but I'm normal. Let me out. And it's like, it's a man's actual writing. And it's like... And he, he said a ghost told, told him, him to do to? it? More specifically, the way that... that this, is why, this is why it feels a bit of like a TED Talk, and I apologize. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt became president because he was vice president, and William McKinley was assassinated. And this guy, John F. Schrank said that William McKinley came to him in a dream and was like, if you don't kill Teddy Roosevelt, the world will end. <gasps> and so he was like, well, I guess I got to go kill Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, it's, it's like a civic duty at that point, yeah. right? It's a global duty. Yeah. Yeah, it is a universal duty. obligation. <laughs> <laughs> or duty. <laughs> so do you ever lay into your 90-minute presentation any kind of you're getting shot element do you try to parallel that in your own speech? Like about my life? <laughs> well, that you're doing a 90-minute speech. Oh. So at some point, don't you think you should also get shot? <laughs> so that uh, It opens with the gunshot. Oh, okay, the, uh, okay. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. the, the, no, 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 remote, no, please. Just want to pitch. Just want to get it out there. I love I love this. I love this. We're getting so much work I'm going to give this gun to someone in the audience. <laughs> if you don't like a joke, shoot me square in the stomach. <laughs> 
the bit, the bit that I'm working on, and the, the bit that I did last week, I start telling the story of him getting shot, and then I'm like, wait, can somebody actually stand in, be be the uh, be Teddy Roosevelt, and I'll show you where we're standing. Actually, can I be Teddy Roosevelt? You be the guy shooting. And actually, there was somebody standing next to him. Could you? And just getting like 15, 20 people from the audience by the end <laughs> to come up and act out this whole scene, and just like kind of playing with that. It's not really fully worked out yet. But that's how I'm trying to make it more performance and less TED Talk. I love that you do that. Yeah, there was a comic that I came up with in Austin, Rich Gabe, that would give an, a piece of paper. He'd give like, here's your line. He would hand it to people in the audience. He's like, when the lights flicker, and we had, have everyone had a piece of paper with directions. Like, when this happens, yell this out. And everyone was involved. And it was so fun for the whole audience. And it was one long five-minute bit. That. And yes. and you've always reminded me of him. So I, oh. I love that you also have I'll a bit like up. that. That's wonderful. That's very, that's very Ron Lynchy, too. That very yes. kind of like, we're all in this together. I was he just... won the funniest person in Austin contest and moved. I don't think he did stand up after that, but it wasn't stand up. It was these performance bits. He had like that's excellent. a ventriloquism bit that was a tape recorder that he'd leave on stage while he went to get a drink of water and <laughs> a pillow that had a, a voice in it. And it was a pillow. And a, I, I can't even remember the bits, but they were all planned out and well-timed and yeah, to give an audience a role. Yes or a line, or to get them on stage with you. Everyone loves that. It's I I love seeing that, and I've never had an idea like that. I'm jealous. What about your, uh, is it called the Inland Empire? The, your... the short? Yeah. You did do your research. Oh, my goodness. Thank <laughs> oh, you so much. Oh, that I did. Yeah, that I looked wow. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, How do people watch that? Yeah, on Vimeo, We it was a, a staff pick, so we hope you like it like they did. My, my friend Tim Barnes and I, wrote a, a short and starred in it directed by Zane Rubin who's my wife's sister um I that's how I actually ended up meeting my wife was Zane Rubin um oh wow me. I know isn't that isn't that awesome that's, that's great terrific but uh yeah in, Inland Empire um very very proud of that short it's kind of like a weird take on our weird upbringing so check <laughs> it out awesome nice Vimeo, staff pick, those people see a, a lot of video. So that's and really saying something. And watch his post-trial interviews on <laughs> Gary Busey, colon, <laughs> Pet Judge. Pet Judge, yes. Uh, yeah, thank you, Ian Abramson. Thank you both for being so on. much. See, I say the name and I stumbled. Ian Abramson. <laughs> it's hard for me to say. You're overthinking Abramson. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ian Abramson. Yeah, you got it. I am always overthinking yeah. things. You don't want to mess up a, such a beautiful thing. A linguist will tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> In a Abramson is a beautiful <laughs> man. And a beautiful man. Thank you for being Thank on. Thank you, Ian. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R! This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Engineered by Stephen Ray Morris. Mixed by Roy Tanaka. Theme song by Karen Kilgariff. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dynar Podcast. That's D Y N A R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. And you're welcome.
Ah, <laughs> uh, sometimes I can't remember if I honked last time. <laughs>